0: Today's scripture reading is John chapter 19, verses 12 through 16. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, and in Aramic Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour he said to the jews behold your king they cried out away with him away with him crucify him pilate said to them shall i crucify your king the chief priest answered we have no king but caesar so he delivered him over to them to be crucified so they took jesus and may the lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word and most of you at least many of you know, I'm sure most of you should know by, by now that um, I grew up in a really small, rural town, if you want to even call it a town. And being in a little small town like that in Michigan, where most people associate Michigan with Detroit, and um, Brother Headings, I live far, far, far from the city lights of Detroit. Far, far, far country. And where I lived, there wasn't much variety in this little town. Not much at all. No McDonald's, no Burger King, don't laugh, I feel. No McDonald's, still no McDonald's. <laughs> no Burger King, no Walmart, no Kmart. One school, everybody went to it. Two options for ice cream, hard served there, soft served down the street. A couple of grocers. Not much variety. Wasn't much to choose from. Except when it came to churches. Even in our small little town, there were Baptist churches, Methodist churches, Catholic churches, Congregational churches, Church of God, Church of God in Christ, Seventh day Adventist, Apostolic. You had your choice. There were even deliverance ministries, deliverance churches. I Many of you might not be familiar with deliverance churches. But these are churches and ministries that kind of focus on the phenomenon of casting out demons, oppression, and sickness, delivering people from the spiritual and physical afflictions of this world. And they they, they focus on such things naturally lends itself to the dramatic and, and is often quite appealing to people. In fact, in the 70s, there was a very, very popular book, I think it might have sold over a million copies, called Pigs in the Parlor, A Guide to Deliverance. Gave you instructions on how deliverance ministry was to be conducted, how you were to go about casting out demons, sicknesses, and all that ails God's people. From books like these and the churches that emphasize them, you might get the impression that the only people who believe in deliverance are those people whose churches have deliverance in the name. And I want to suggest to you this morning That every church that faithfully teaches and proclaims Jesus is a deliverance church. Now we, we, yes, no, 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 Pastor Phil would not allow it. We do not have in our name East Point Church of Deliverance. But I want to suggest to you this morning that East Point Church, like most churches, seeks to preach and proclaim deliverance through Jesus Christ our Lord. We believe in deliverance from sickness. We believe in deliverance from oppression. We believe in deliverance from Satan. We believe in deliverance from sin believe in the deliverance from this present world. We believe this, beloved, because we believe that in the God of the Bible. And the God of the Bible, as he has revealed himself in the Bible, his name is Jehovah Mephauti. God, our deliverer. He is a delivering God. And he demonstrates this over and over again in Psalm 18. In verse 2, the Bible says, The Lord is my rock, says David, and my fortress, my deliverer, my God. God is a deliverer. That is his name. Psalm 34 and 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, But what the Lord does what? Delivers him out of them all. As you see over and over again, God is interacting with this world. God is interacting with his people. He is a deliverer. He, in Exodus chapter 6 and verse 6, reminds us that God is the one who delivered Israel out of Egypt. Daniel, chapter, tw- chapter 6 and verse 27, we are reminded that God delivered Daniel, that he is a delivering God. In 1 Samuel, chapter 17 and verse 37, we are reminded that God delivered David. Why? Because he is a delivering God. But he didn't just deliver Israel and didn't just deliver Israel. Daniel, he didn't just deliver David. The Bible says that he also delivered Jesus. But perhaps not like you think, beloved. The Bible says that God delivered Jesus over to be crucified. Acts chapter 2, verse 23, 23, the Bible says, And this Jesus delivered up, delivered up according to the divine plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Yes, yes. Our God, the Deliverer, yes, he delivered Jesus. God, however, beloved, delivered Jesus over to be crucified so that Jesus might, through crucifixion, deliver us. Jesus came to deliver us. That's why we sing, our God is awesome. Deliverer, 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 awesome God. Christ came to deliver us from Satan came to deliver us from sickness and shame, but most importantly, to deliver us from sin. And his way of deliverance is the cross. Amen. The cross is the way. As the Mandalorian would say, this is the way. This is the way. Pointing to the cross. You want to be delivered? This is the way. This is the way. It is the way of suffering as we have seen. It is the way of sacrifice. This is the only way. This is the only way for us to be saved. The only way for us to be saved, beloved, is that Jesus had to be delivered so that he could deliver us. That's what the Bible says. He was delivered over to Pilate, and John 19 and verse 16 then says what? Then Pilate delivered Jesus over to be crucified. This is the way. The one who was delivered is the one who delivers. And he delivers us from so much, beloved. There is so much deliverance available in the cross of Christ. He has delivered us from so much this morning i want to demonstrate for you two things that the lord as he's standing there about to be delivered over to the cross that the bible reminds us how christ has delivered us he delivers us from fear this morning you are delivered from fear. And he delivers us from final judgment. If you are in Christ, you have been delivered from fear and final judgment. As we saw last week in... We continue to witness this morning. The Bible reminds us that Pilate wanted to release Jesus. He really wanted to release Jesus, and he made several attempts, several attempts to release him. Chapter 9 and verse 12, the Bible says, From then on, Pilate sought to release Jesus. The idea here is that he sought again and again and again. And he did, beloved. He made several attempts. The first time, he he just said that he found them innocent and he just wanted to let Jesus go. And they said no. And then the Bible tells us that he offered a substitute. He offered Barabbas. Instead of Jesus, and again, they said no. Then the Bible says that he beat Jesus and mocked Jesus in an attempt to punish Jesus. Maybe this would suffice them, and again, they said no. Then he offered Jesus as their king as their leader, as the one who would deliver them. And again, they said no. Over and over and over again, Pilate wanted to let Jesus go. He went back and forth with these religious leader leaders, and nothing satisfactory came from these discussions. The Jewish authorities wanted Jesus crucified, and they had stirred up the mob, and the crowd and they would not be satisfied with anything less. But Pilate refused to budge. And after much debate, it seems that they had came, they had come to a stalemate. The Jews were crying. Crucify him. Crucify him. And Pilate was saying, let him go. Let him go. And then the Jewish authorities decided that they would make an end to this stalemate. They brought out their trump card. We're going to bring this stalemate to a conclusion, Pilate." And they decided that they would end it by making Pilate choose, not between Jesus and Barabbas, but Pilate was going to have to choose between Jesus and Pilate. It's either Jesus or you, Pilate, either you deliver up Jesus or we're going to deliver you over to Caesar. Notice what they said in verse 12 again. If you release this man, they said to Pilate, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar, if you release Jesus, we're going to make it known that you are not a friend of Caesar. Here was the Jews threatening Pilate. And beloved, this was no empty threat. It's, this was no empty threat. And Pilate, at that moment, had to choose. He had to choose. Would he be a friend of Jesus or a friend of Pilate? Because he couldn't be both. There was a newspaper reporter who had written a critical article about the president. And after writing the article, the reporter called the White House and asked if he could speak with the president, if he could give an interview with the, for the president. And the person on the phone said to the reporter, you can either talk about the president, or you can talk to the president, but you can't do both. <laughs> Beloved, Pilate had to reconsider his position Was he going to be a friend of Jesus, or was he going to be a friend of Caesar? Because the reality is, you can't be both. You can't be both. Would he suddenly have faith in Jesus, or would he continue to live in fear of Caesar? That is the question this morning, and the Bible gives the answer. Pilate was moved by fear, the fear of man. And that is the irony of it all, beloved. The irony of it all is that Christ had come for this very purpose. The one who was standing before him had come to deliver him from the fear of man. And there it was, gripping Pilate. The Jews put Pilate in a pickle, didn't they? Put him in a real pickle. Friend of Caesar, friend of Christ. Fear of God, fear of man. That's the question this morning. I understand, beloved, if you're anything like me, few decisions in this life, are as paralyzing as that one. If you've lived for any amount of time in this world, then you felt the pull, that existential angst of the fear of God versus the fear of man. Pilate was afraid because he understood that his position was a tenuous one, beloved, very, very tenuous, and he was afraid. He was afraid of the people because the mob and the crowds were growing, and he didn't want a riot on his hands, and therefore give Rome the impression that he couldn't handle his responsibilities in his province. So he's afraid of the people. He was afraid of losing his position. Being the governor of this Jewish province was a challenge, no doubt. But, beloved, it was a coveted position. And as soon as he would be removed, another would immediately step into his place. He's afraid Of the people, he was afraid of losing his position. He was afraid of losing his possessions. Whatever luxuries he enjoyed, whatever wealth he possessed, he did so because he was governor. And most of all, beloved, Pilate was afraid of Caesar. He's afraid of Caesar because the only reason Pilate was in his position and the only reason Pilate had his possessions was because of the pleasures of Caesar. And should Caesar find no more pleasure in Pilate, Pilate's rule would end. But not only would Pilate's rule in, but Pilate understood that when your rule ends, so too does your life. Because you understand, Caesar didn't keep fired employees around. That wasn't a good idea. Fired employees had to go. Really go. And when the Jews threatened to report Pilate for his reluctance to act on behalf of Caesar against Jesus, Pilate suddenly changed his position. Why? Why? Because of fear. Fear, beloved, fear. The Bible is clear, isn't it? Proverbs 29 and 25, that the fear of man is a snare. Whoever trusts in the Lord is set securely on high. But the fear of man is a trap. It entangles you and and manipulates your heart and manipulates your motivations and manipulates your actions. Ask yourself the question. I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many times have you did something just because everybody else was doing it? I won't ask you to tell the truth this morning and shame the devil. How many times has popularity caused you to compromise some conviction? How often have you been motivated by the fear of rejection, the fear of loss of relationship or loss of job or loss of family and friends? And fear, therefore, is a deadly trap that Satan sets, ever sets, beloved. Jesus. Ever setting it. To put you and I in positions where we must choose. Caesar or Christ. Fear of God or fear of the world. Friendship with the world or friendship with Jesus. You're going to lose one today. Which one will it be? It's a trap. And we often fall into it, beloved. We often fall into it. Because it's contrary to the glory of God. Absolutely contrary to the glory of God. And we fall into it because we are more concerned with the glory of men and women than we are with the glory of God. We're more concerned with the praise of men and women than we are with the praise of God. We're more concerned with people being pleased with us than we are with Christ. You don't have to say amen. The fear of God, the fear of men makes people big and God small. It's what it does. I'm telling you from personal experience, beloved. It makes people big and God small. John chapter 5 and verse 44 reminds us that it makes you seek the praise and the pleasure of your peers more than the praise and the pleasure of God. And this fear is a trap that leads to death so we're seeing this morning with Pilate he's fallen into this trap and it will lead to his death that's what the fear of man does because the fear of God is the key of life the fear of God is the key to life Pilate thought beloved don't miss it Pilate thought by acting in fear of Caesar that he was saving his life, but actually he was losing it because that's what it does. It's what Jesus says over and over again. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Jesus says, do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul but rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Every day, beloved, every, every day we are faced with fear of God and fear of man decisions. Every day. Every day we have to answer the question, will you seek friendship with God? or friendship with the world. Will you be a friend of Caesar? Will you be a friend of Caesar? This is the friendship that Pilate sought. Friend of Caesar was an official title. It wasn't just a passing reference. When, when, when the Jews made reference to Pilate being a friend of Caesar, immediately he heard them saying, that you will no longer be a surrogate for Caesar here. Because to be a friend is to be a defender, is to be an advocate. We call them surrogates today, right? You go on all these news shows and you defend the policies and the actions of another. But here's the dilemma, beloved. Beloved is that you can't be a surrogate for Donald Trump one day, and then a surrogate for Barack Obama on the next. Being a friend of Caesar would make you an enemy of Christ. And being a friend of Christ would make you at odds with the world. And so Pilate had to make a choice. He wanted to release Jesus, didn't he? But to be a friend of Jesus would mean he was no longer a friend of of Caesar. And he wasn't ready to go that far. He wasn't ready to follow Christ. He wasn't ready to honor Christ. He wasn't ready to worship Christ. Here is the choice faced by every man and woman this morning. This is the choice that each of us have when we leave this building today. Christ or Caesar? God or the world? Will we live in fear of God? Or will we live, buddy, buddy, and friends of this world. And the Bible's clear. The Bible's clear, whether I've been clear or not this morning. God is very clear. In James chapter 4, in verse 4. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Don't get any more clear than that, beloved. Friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. And then the Bible says, I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. He can't be both, beloved. He can't be a surrogate for Christ and a surrogate for the world. He can't be a defender of the ways of Christ and also a defender of the ways of the world. But thanks be to God, beloved, there is a way. There is a way to live in this world as a friend of Christ in the fear of God rather than the fear of man. This is why Christ came. This is why Christ came, to deliver us from fear the bible reminds us that christ has told us that he did not come to take us out of this world he came that we might live in this world for his glory as his friend you know it's possible you know it's possible this week we had the opportunity to celebrate the reopening of the chick-fil-a dwarf house down and around the corner from the church here, and the vision of Truett and his brother Ben, Kathy, once again while we were there was rehearsed. And I was reminded, you know, everybody likes Chick-fil-A. Well, I mean most, most, most of us. Most of us like Chick-fil-A, those who eat meat. But you do know, beloved, that when you eat a Chick-fil-A sandwich, it's just chicken. Hello? It's just chicken. It's chicken. Everybody cooks chicken. Everybody can make a chicken sandwich. It's just a piece of chicken with some pickle (laughs) on bread. Chicken is the most popular meat in the world. Everywhere you go, they eat chicken. And what makes Chick-fil-A? So different, beloved. Because Chick-fil-A is not just about the chicken. It's more than chicken. It is an exercise in seeking to do business in the fear of God rather than the fear of man. It is an exercise of seeking to do business in this world as a friend of God rather than a friend of man. This is what Christ came to do. He came to deliver us from friendship with the kingdoms of this world to free us to pursue friendship with him to free us to pursue the kingdom of God. If Chick-fil-A is an exercise in the fear of God, Pilate is an example of the fear of men. And what happens when you're motivated and moved by the fear of men? Because once you determine that the fear of man is more important than the fear of God, sin reigns. Sin reigns. Sin rules. Evil is inevitable. And that's what happened. Pilate feared man more than God, and this caused him to believe that he could sit in judgment over Jesus. Beloved, here is the gross sin of Pilate that he was raised in his pride to think that he could sit in judgment over the Lord of glory. That's what the fear of men does. Throws everything out of whack and causes you to think more highly of yourself than you ought to. to make Caesar big and Jesus small. And he dared to sit in judgment on Jesus. Pilate thought, now he's all, he's all feeling himself. I'm a friend of Caesar. I'm going to show Caesar I got his back. I'm going to show these Jews who really has the authority, I'm going to show them why Caesar placed me in this position. And he was determined to deliver Jesus over for final judgment. But again, the irony of all ironies is this is the reason why Jesus came. That he might be judged so we wouldn't have to be. This is amazing, beloved. His amazing turn of events here operating in fear. Pilate brought Jesus back out. But this time, he didn't just bring Jesus out. The Bible says that he brought out the judgment seat, the bema seat, where final judgments are rendered. And in verse 13 of chapter 19, it says, So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat him down on the judgment seat and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, and in the Aramaic, Gabbatha. Pilate, Pilate may not have liked the Jews, beloved, and may, he may not have liked Jesus, but he loved his position. He loved his power. And when he brought out that judgment seat, the Bible says he brought it down, placed it in a prominent space so everyone could see him. And he sat on that seat with Christ standing before him. And he sat there, no doubt, feeling the moment like Kanye West. In the 21st century, no one man should have all that power. That's Pilate feeling himself, thinking that he has all that power. Oh my God. And beloved, he didn't have all that power. That judgment seat was borrowed. His power was on loan, and he would soon have to relinquish it. What he didn't realize is that very soon those tables would be turned. Soon it would be Jesus sitting at that seat, and it would be Pilate standing before the one who does have all that power. Who would die and be raised with all that power. Here's the point, beloved. Not just Pilate must stand there, but Kanye has to stand there. But not just Kanye. You're going to have to stand there. I'm going to have to stand there. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, for we must all appear before the beamer seats the judgment seat of Christ. The of seat doesn't belong to Pilate. It didn't belong to Caesar. The Bible says it belonged to Jesus. In John uh, chapter 5 and verse 22, all judgment has been given over to Jesus. All judgment. All judgment given over to Jesus. And it is not Jesus, beloved, contrary to what Pilate thought, it is not Jesus who must fear the judgment of men, but it is we who must fear the judgment of Christ. We all, we all, we all, beloved, must stand before the judgment seat. Every one of us. Everyone. Everyone. Romans chapter 14 and verse 10 reminds us this. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we all will stand before God's judgment seat. All of us. All of us. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 that it has been appointed unto all of us to die. And then What? Judgment, judgment, judgment. Christ will judge us all. He will judge our actions. He will judge our words. Every idle word will come into judgment. Every deed will be brought into judgment. He will judge the thoughts and the intent of our hearts there will be nothing hidden there will be nothing that remains concealed you know what the the people of Bethshemesh acts in first samuel chapter 6 and verse 20 who can stand in the presence of the holy god that is going to be the question who can stand in the presence, while Christ is seated on the judgment seat, and everything will be laid to bear. Who will be able to stand up to this judgment? Who would be able to survive such scrutiny? No one. No one, beloved. No one. This is why Jesus was delivered over to be judged. Jesus was delivered over to Pilate for judgment so that when it came time for us, he would deliver us from being judged. Jesus was convicted at the judgment seat so that you and I would be set free. This is the point, beloved. You don't understand, beloved. Jesus wasn't afraid of Pilate. Pilate was a paper judge. Jesus wasn't afraid of Caesar. Caesar was a paper king. The problem here, beloved, is that Israel at this point denied any judge because they denied any king. And when Pilate came out, With one last dish effort to wash his hands of Jesus, in the final hour, that last hour, Pilate said in verse 15, shall I crucify your king? They replied, we have no king but Caesar. Listen, beloved. I believe... I honestly believe, but that it was at this moment when you could have written Ichabod over the nation of Israel. That was it. It was at this point that Israel had made its final rejection of Jesus. Here was the long-awaited Messiah, and they rejected him. Here was the promised Christ, and they chose Caesar. Listen, beloved, this was not a rejection of Samuel. This was not a rejection of Saul. This was not a rejection of David or Solomon or Hezekiah. This was a rejection of Jehovah God. We have no king but Caesar. I got news for the Jews that were gathered around that palace, and for every man and woman who has ever lived since, that you do have a king. And it's not Caesar, but his name is King Jesus. Pilate said, "'Shall I crucify your king?' Yes, yes, you shall, for only then will you come to know who the real king is, that he is king over life, that he is king over death, that he is king over all." Pilate was a paper governor. Caesar was a paper king. They were propped up, and they would soon blow over. There was only one king who was going to stand the test of time, and that is King Jesus. And he is not just king of Israel. He is king of all. He is king of all. He is Lord over all. All, beloved, all, all. The United States of America was founded as a theistic nation. And that is that as a nation that believes in God. And you see this, you see this identity all over our historical markers, everywhere you go. Historically, you see references to God. Our money on our currency, it has in God we trust. As children, when we were taught to recite the Pledge of Allegiance, we said that we were one nation under God. But, beloved, I want to suggest something to you this morning. (laughs) That one nation under God is nothing special. One nation under God is not anything unique. The United States is under God, but so too is every nation. Every nation exists at the pleasure of God. Every nation exists under the power and the authority of God. Pilate was under God. Caesar was under God. Every throne and kingdom are under God. Every man and woman and child are under God. You have no king but King Jesus. Right on, King Jesus. That's what they should have been singing, beloved. Ride right on, King Jesus. right on. No man. No man can I hinder thee. No man can I hinder thee. Ride right on, King Jesus. Ride right on. Pilate, Caesar, Satan, or the grave. No man. Can I hinder thee? No man can I hinder thee. You have no king. Save Jesus. Nothing and no one can hinder him. Let's pray.